0: NBA show. I'm Chris Varney joining me as he does every week is Kevin O'Connor, aka Kevin O'Bomber, aka Kevin O'Concert, aka
1: Kevin O'Conflict, aka Kevin O'Climber. Kevin, you know Chris, it throws me off when you say every week instead of every Tuesday. I I'm know. Still used to that, but, you know. I know. It threw a lot of thing. people
0: off yesterday, so shout out to everybody that uh yeah. reached out yesterday. And thank
1: you for listening.
0: Yeah, we uh we were not on our typical Tuesday during the off season. We are going to do Wednesdays, and as it stands right now, we are coming off the NBA draft, but immediately already have something else to look forward to. In many people's mind, the most interesting part of the year uh, and this year could be the most interesting in a long, long time. We're four days away from free agency, Kevin. Um, and then the Utah Summer League for rookies begins over the weekend, and then the Las Vegas Summer League soon after. But there will be meetings, there will be calls, there will be everything going on uh, coming up this weekend. So let's. Oh, well, you know what? Before I get into the free agency thing, there was a bit of news that dropped last night that we do need to speak on. And that was a trade that was made by the Los Angeles Clippers. Los Angeles moved Austin Rivers, the son of Doc Rivers, for Marcin Gortat to the Washington
1: Wizards. What do you make of it? It's a great deal for both teams. You know, the, the Wizards have been searching for a, a competent backup point guard for a couple seasons right now. Uh, they dealt with the Brandon Jennings of the world, Ty Lawsons, Trey Burke before he suddenly got good for a couple of games with the Knicks. They've dealt with a handful of guys, and now Austin Rivers, granted everybody hates him, he's a solid backup. He's at least somebody that that I think can... Um, be the third guy behind John Wall and Bradley Beal or whatever that backcourt ends up looking like in the future. It's solid for them. And then they needed to unload Gortat because of his poor relationship with John Wall. And then the Clippers on the other side of it, Gortat is a solid center, right, to replace potentially DeAndre Jordan, assuming he either opts in for a trade or just opts out and signs elsewhere. It does sound like he's a guy that could potentially be in the move. I like it for both sides. I really do. And one other thing, Chris, for the Clippers, now like they they get rid of one guard now it's an easier path for their young rookies Shea Gilgis alexander and Jerome Robinson to get playing time as rookies cuz they have like they, before the trade they had like 7 now they have 6 guards so a little bit easier now <laughs> let me ask you about Austin Rivers because
0: as you said everybody hates the guy and i don't know it's because you know went to duke you went, you know his dad you know his dad's been a long time coach and so people feel like there's been some nepotism whatever his, his playing style is annoying his playing style I, I think that's what it is okay I also think, you know, let's say he's Austin Jones. Don't you feel that there yes. is a different perception of him? Exactly. Yeah, I do. I mean, if, he if, is if, hurt. If, if, if
1: he weren't Doc's son, yes, and and if he hadn't been paid that much money by the Clippers, it, I, I don't think people would care as much. I think people would have looked at his season last year, like at twenty five, and thought, hey, you know, he he wasn't a bust. Like he looked like he might have been with, with in New Orleans. Now he looks like a solid. You know, reserve guard, a third. Oh, guarding. see, certainly yeah. an
0: eight man rotation
1: guy. Definitely. He can't
0: he can be an eight man rotation guy for a good team. And honestly, like he got paid eleven million bucks last year. That's not the worst thing in the world. No. I mean, it's a it's eleven million for a guy that plays. There's a lot of guys that make over $11 million that do nothing for teams. Sure. Exactly. Right. Uh, what, all right. So obviously this affects one of the major things about free agency, which is DeAndre Jordan. Mark Stein reported yesterday that among the various options DeAndre Jordan has been weighing, according to league sources, he is opting into the final season of his contract before Friday's midnight deadline to facilitate a trade with
1: Dallas. Hmm. Very interesting, isn't it, Chris?
0: It is uh, it uh, is very interesting because uh and obviously there there are other teams interested, but a lot of people have thought, you know, the first time before he was uh kidnapped, right? He was signed with Dallas the first time around, uh, or was going to. So this is a second go round, and obviously, though the years have passed, Mavericks still interested in DeAndre. What do you make of the whole opting into the contract to help facilitate a trade? Obviously, that's the best news for the Clippers, isn't it? I mean, the best news for the Clippers is that you would opt in to help facilitate a trade, right? Therefore, signifying you could feasibly get something back. But it feels like you'd have to throw in another team in order to get anything of real
1: value, right? The Mavericks don't have anything that you'd want. I'm curious if the team would even be Dallas. Uh, you know, I reported a couple of weeks or months ago, I don't know, whenever it was, and, and like that, that they. That they might pursue DJ, DeMarcus Cousins, Julius Randle um, this offseason. And it has since been mentioned that one of the guys that they could also target is Clint Capella, a restricted free agent from the Rockets. I wonder, I would love to know what their preferred choice is, right? Would you rather go for the younger guy, like Clint Capella, but you have less of a chance to get him because the Houston can match? Or DJ, uh, Maybe maybe you can get him for cheap, Chris. I think that's always possible as well. They could... They could create the cap space depending on what else happens with their free agents to be. um, And some of their uh, options are guaranteed guys under contract. I I do wonder if maybe DJ is a guy to be a stopgap for them, maybe, for like a two-year deal, a short term. Because he's going to be 30. Um, Well, it's a fascinating case study
0: right, with him, right? Because the league has not gone his way. Though players like him, especially rebounding, can still be... Of great value, but he has been rendered unplayable at the end of many a playoff, uh, uh, many a big game. That being said, if you're Jordan, do you do the opt in, get your 24 mil, and then play it out, you know, a la Chris Paul? And then obviously there's more money available next year, and maybe you can play the market then and get your long term deal, or do you attempt to now? Cash in because I don't know. I guess it depends on which way the league swings, right? Is there, it, you know, it, in the case that somebody with big guys is a big winner, then all of a sudden everything becomes a copycat league and big guys, you know, it, it, people start to think, oh, you need a big guy. Same way that right now, given the success of the Golden State Warriors, people have been anti big guy. So a big guy would need to win big. In order for there to be a sea change and people say, well, you got to have somebody that can deal with bigs. But I don't know if that's, you know, it it stands to reason that's probably not next year. And so what do you do from his point of view? I almost feel like I'd get the money now.
1: I think if you're DJ, um, you probably would prefer to opt in. I don't think you're going to make that much money this season, right? I don't know if you're going to get a four-year, $75 million deal. I'm, I'm not sure that money's actually out there for a a center who's going to be 30 years old this season. He turns 30 in a couple of weeks, um, whose game is so reliant on athleticism, you're going to get that long-term deal. But, um, but maybe you are better off, taking that long-term security even if it's only like 17 million annually um that's going to be a tough choice for him is him and his agent uh i do think going back for one year or being signed and uh, being, opting in than being traded elsewhere for one season is an intriguing route. I, I think, you know, despite me mentioning his age, Chris, like, he's been really healthy basically his entire career. He hasn't had many many health issues at all. He's, I mean, look at his games. This is his game since 2012-13 season. 82, 82, 82, 77, 81, 77. He's been durable. Uh, so, theoretically, he could be durable moving forward as well into his 30s.
0: That would also signify, let's say it's Dallas. It also signify that Dallas wants to be good again
1: quickly. Oh, they do. They do want to be good. That, that's, that's been like, ru- not rumored, but it's been known around the league for months now. Like that, that was really the genesis of, of the report I had before, where it was like, there might, the to chase, Boogie, Jordan, Randall. And like I said, then since Capella has been mentioned as well, because they want to be good this year. Um, and really like when you think about it, like just look at their team. It, it, Actually, would be a pretty solid roster if you add DJ to Harrison Barnes, who is solid within his role. Now you get Luka Doncic, you got Dennis Smith Jr. in his second season. Maybe he, maybe his play elevates playing alongside other talented guys. Dirk and you know playing maybe his final season or one of his final seasons coming off the bench, draining threes facing the floor. There's some solid talent on the team. I mean, it's not a great team, but it's an okay team. Maybe they can compete for an eight seed. I think that's the goal this year.
0: Well, the the scary part would be if Rick Carlisle simply can't take it, Mark Cuban can't take it, in terms of the losing, right? And then they go and sign like Midland veterans, and all of a sudden you're watching at the end of games, and it's not about developing the players you're going to look up and it's a bunch of these guys that right you end up you you got Wes Matthews and Dirk Nowitzki and DeAndre Jordan and then two other like veteran guys that you can trust to be in the right place right time on defense right like you're 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 serving two masters in terms of trying to be good while still developing your players because it is very difficult to be good with a second year point guard and a rookie who I think most people expect will be a big minute guy for them in Luka. There is going to be some real growing pains and there will still be growing pains for Dennis Smith. You are nowhere near, um, g- except for the very rare exceptions. Most point guards are not near
1: what they are going to become by year two. Definitely. You know, the learning curve for point guards is pretty steep. Um, I, I, a couple, maybe after, before last year's draft, the 2017 draft, I talked to a couple all NBA guys at all-star weekend. And then, um, during games during the season, like my questions to them was, what's the hardest thing to learn? You know, you're an, you're an all-star player. What was the toughest thing to learn as a point guard? And they've always said the pace of the game, the physicality of the game, the speed of the game. And for Dennis Smith, that's really the next step. Sometimes he plays too fast out there in the court. That's going to take time. This season he's only still only going to be 21 years old. Super super young. But I do think playing alongside Luka Doncic who at 6 foot 8 is going to handle the ball, he's going to ease some of the load off of Dennis Smith and probably help facilitate his progression. Um, but then again, Dennis Smith is still going to need to learn how to play more off-ball. He's somebody who's had the ball in his hands so much for his entire life. Now playing with Luka Doncic, that's going to be an adjustment. So we'll see, man. I mean, I don't think the Dallas, Dallas Mavs are going to be a playoff team, but maybe they'll be better. They might be like the 9, 10 spot.
0: All right, let's go back to the trade real quick. And you know the first thing that ran through my mind when, when I saw that deal? Because everybody's obviously goofing about the Austin Rivers thing and his dad trading him and whatever else. The first thing that ran through my mind was this is a how do I say this? Yes, it, it it's obviously, as you said, a trade that can help both teams and certainly roster wise makes all the sense in the world for Washington. but I also felt like this is almost like a uh, uh this, this is a nod to John Wall by that management. Because if you recall during the season, like they clearly don't like each other, right? <laughs> Gortot and Wall. I mean, almost never do you see guys publicly bickering. It was so bizarre during the year. Do you remember the all caps great team win and all this kind of stuff from Gortot? And then you saw their interactions <laughs> throughout the year. Yes, they played together, but you could clearly tell. That those guys were not on the same page and didn't particularly like each other to the point where you, you know how badly you've got to not like each other to make it public and spat in public when one of the guys is hurt. Um, and so I kind of felt like, Hey, we've invested a boatload of money into John Wall. And so it's, uh, it's one or the other because them coexisting has not gone particularly well. And so Gortat's the one, we're moving.
1: What do you think? Uh, Yeah, I mean, it definitely has partially to do with the relationship, and you're damn right about them spending a boatload of money on John Wall. I mean, he'll be making it to the $40 million range in the 2020s. That salary is going to get nuts. Um, But, look, I I think it was was definitely about the relationship, um, but it's also still about the team, too. They needed a guard and Austin Rivers is a solid guard. And maybe now, who knows, maybe you maybe you go for a sign-and-trade for Boogie or something like that. Otherwise, your starting center is Ian Mahaney. Um, so we'll see what's next for him. Maybe they go for, uh, I, I think, David Aldridge mentioned Nur Lenz Noel, who I think is an underrated free agent this year. Maybe you go for him as your center as well. Okay,
0: but beyond that, do you think it signifies also, this is something we didn't necessarily mention, does it signify also that the plan is not to have DeAndre Jordan in a Clippers uniform next year? If you attain Marcin Gortat... I mean, what are you doing, right? You you get right in the in a league that has, you know, uh, the premiums been put on perimeter players. I don't think you're making that deal unless the expectation is that Marcin Gortat's going to be your starting
1: center next year. It depends. It really does. If he opts in and you're able to try to f- able to able find a trade partner, great. Fantastic. Um, but at least now, even if you do keep DJ, you have Gortat who's a solid backup center. Really? I yeah. you mean, you traded off. You traded I, all- I think you'd rather get off DJ's contract, sure, but it doesn't mean you can.
0: Yeah, no, but do you make that deal if you're acquiring a backup center? I think it's a little different if you're acquiring a yeah, your starting. Yeah, because center.
1: you have a hundred guards in your roster. Like they have, they have Milos who's, who can, who has a player option for the summer. Mm-hmm. They have Patrick Beverly, who non-guaranteed. They'll pick that up. They have Jawan Evans, young player. Sandarius Thornwell, young player. Um, I they then they just drafted two guys, Shea Gilja, Alexander, right. and Jerome Jerome Robinson. They have a ton of guards, dude. So it's like for them. Unload Rivers and balance your roster a little bit. Now you add another big um, who's better than Boban. Sorry, uh, any Boban fans. (laughs) Gortad's better than him. So now you get a better balanced roster. And if you can trade DJ, fantastic uh, and get something good back. But if you can't, well, maybe during the season you can deal them.
0: Well, and you know this. I mean, and this was off, uh, th- this was not on uh, the Ringer NBA show or Twitter or anything. This was just on our text. Our, our longtime producer, Isaac, is a diehard Clippers fan. And I always think to myself, when I see deals like this, how do the teams, uh, how do their fans react, right? And it seemed last night, that Wizards fans were mad and Clippers fans were ecstatic. And so, <laughs> right? like It is what it is, right? I see on one hand,
1: my buddy Joe House pissed
0: off. I see on the other hand, Isaac wants to go party.
1: Hey, man, I can understand. A lot of Clippers fans hate Austin Rivers more than anybody else on the on the planet. So <laughs> I get it. Shout out, shout out to Isaac. Shout out <laughs> to his happiness. Let's move into uh, free agency. And one of the things that
0: dawned on me last night was, what is the domino that's going to start everything? Now, there is a general sentiment that LeBron is going to dictate everything that goes on. But I did wonder yesterday if it's actually, possibly, Paul George that dictates everything that's going to go on. I don't think so. The reason I say this, (laughs) the reason I say this, I was talking to a prominent agent yesterday. And this is what he said. Sources. He said, I have... And it does not represent Paul George, by the way. And he said to me, he said, I have always thought Paul George was going back to Oklahoma City. And I was like, what? And he said, people can talk all they want about making up the money. He's like, Chris, it's almost $50 million. He's like, you signed the deal and then six months down the road or a year down the road, whatever. Then you try to get out. You force a trade behind closed doors, but you've got to sign that deal. And people could say, well, then by the next time he can just sign another deal. He's like, he's 32. He just got another thing done on his knee. Kids had a broken leg. You know, it's like almost $180 million, right? Would be a five-year max. I don't know if they're right. If that's what, Oklahoma City puts on the table, but I think it stands to reason it's possible. That would shake everything up, right? Because that is the one. While everybody thinks LeBron's going somewhere, we think Kawhi could probably end up somewhere. I That was the first time I had anybody tell me that they thought Paul George would stay in Oklahoma City because it was just too much money in order to not stay there. And I don't know all the semantics of all of it, but let's just say that could take place. They throw the five-year, one hundred and seventy-eight million dollars on the table. I and I think when I I read it was four and one thirty for the Lakers. So I mean,
1: it is seriously almost fifty million dollars. I don't know, man. Uh, I forget. I said this on I think so something we did last week at the Ringer. What's the difference? In what? lifestyle, what's the difference in lifestyle between that sum of money? What's the difference, dude? It's, it's still like it's fifty million. Like, I, it's like Kev. Dave Chappelle said. I said this last week, so I'm repeating myself, but I didn't say it here. So, but it's like Dave Chappelle said once when David Letterman, he's describing when he quit his show, and he said, "What? What's the real difference between having ten million dollars and fifty million dollars? The only difference is forty million dollars. The the difference in lifestyle is so minuscule." And for Paul George, what is what does make a difference? It's where you live. It's Oklahoma City. Ju- I mean, no, you, you yeah, co- yeah. You'd rather have the money, of course. That's what Dave Chappelle said, like as a joke at the end. Yeah, of course, I'd rather. I'd like to have that forty extra forty million dollars. No kidding, you would. But for Paul George, it depends on where you live and where you want to raise your family and, and where your girlfriend with with your kids wa- where you want to raise them. It's about happiness and lifestyle and going to a place where you're happy every day. If he's happily in, o- in Oklahoma City and he can earn extra money. Hell yeah, like that's perfect. But if he wants to take a li- earn a little bit less money, but still life-changing money and play at home in Los Angeles, fantastic. So we'll see what happens. I have just I I have
0: always thought he was the 100%er. Uh, of all the other things that he's not going to be in a thunder uniform next year, and I still believe he won't be, but I found it fascinating that at least one agent said, "I would tell him to take the contract." You're not gonna. You're not. But again, yeah, agents that, make commission. That, no, yeah, agents no make commission. <laughs> what
1: do you think an agent's gonna say? He's like, oh, you gotta, yeah, gotta take the big money. Gotta take the big money. I understand. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I think. I think there's certainly a chance that George does stay. I think that's real. Um, I've heard similar as well uh, that he could potentially stay there. However, Chris, I do think you know, looking at the money, the only real difference would be in that fifth year of a deal. Um, it's pretty similar through the first four seasons. So let me just like lay that out real quick. So if he re-signs with the Thunder, the deals the next five years would be 30.3, 32.7, 35.1, 37.5, then 39.9. So nearly 40 million in that fifth year. However, the first four years signing with the Lakers or anywhere else is pretty much the same. It's like a little bit less over the four years, 30.3, 31.8, 33.3, 34.8. So you're earning about $6 million less over four seasons. It's that fifth year that's the difference. However, if you're Paul George and after the 21-22 season, you're still a great player, at that point, you might be able to make up that money by signing a max deal, then, maybe not, maybe you get do maybe you do lose out on that forty million dollars in the fifth year. I don't know i I can't predict the future, but all I know is it's not much of a difference over the first four
0: this is exactly the conversation I feel like we had about Hayward right
1: is that and it, and it is exactly the same thing it is where he could theoretically make up the money in that fifth year it's but the first four years, the difference is so minuscule
0: yeah, but in fairness. He broke his friggin' leg the first game. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I would love to think Gordon Hayward comes back and he is exactly what he always was and possibly better. But you never know. Of course That's you never know. That's the thing, know. right? That is almost the cautionary I, tale. I mean,
1: that injury looked worse than it probably yeah, but what if actually he's not?
0: was. What if he's not? If he's not, you know in four years, yes, he will have passed up making a boatload of
1: money. Yes. Yeah, so what? Well, I, I, that? I, I uh, maybe, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me, but like that dude's money coming out he made twenty nine million dollars this year. He's gonna make thirty one million dollars this season, he's gonna make thirty two thirty two million dollars the following year, and then in his last year, he's gonna make thirty four million dollars. But you're also what, making what difference the, is the extra okay, money gonna do at the end? Here's the thing, but you are but you're <laughs> like lining his great, that, great, great, great grandchildren. On. Come you're on. lining
0: that you're lining up that scenario. You're lining up that particular scenario saying the only reason he would do it is for the money,
1: and that may not be so no, I never said that I didn't say that I, I I said if he wants if he wants to stay in Oklahoma City and he's happy there and that's where he wants to raise his kids and he happens to make extra money fantastic that that's what i said it It's not just about the money if it's just about the money i don't know I don't know what you're playing for, dude I really don't well, I mean, if it's just about the money. I think that's. that's I think a there's a
0: whole lot of people out there that if you put one contract next to another one, and one of the contracts pays you fifty million
1: dollars <laughs> more. Yeah, no kidding. But You're,
0: it's but, it's nice to be able to say what's the difference. No, but it, I, I mean, there's no, a big. Difference. I can
1: say that, Chris. I can, because if if I had already made hundreds of million dollars in my life. And I'm like, you know what? I'm at the point of my career where I want to win a championship or I want to be in a place where I can raise my kids in a, in a great great city, wherever that is. That's when you make the choice. And maybe that choice is Oklahoma City. And everything else is just extra.
0: Okay. Well, here's the thing. Let The reason I brought it up in the first place was could he dictate things? Let's just say it's a possibility. Okay? And let's run through a hypothetical scenario. Sunday or Monday morning, the report comes out: Paul George has signed a five-year, one hundred seventy-eight million dollar extension with the Oklahoma City Thunder. You don't think that affects
1: LeBron and, therefore, everything else? Um, I, you know, so I've been pretty consistently told that LeBron is just going to do what LeBron wants to do. That was said in regards to Paul George. That was said in regards to Kawhi Leonard. Um from people that I trust that LeBron's just going to do whatever he wants to do. Uh, I'm, so I, I originally thought that, you know, he wouldn't go to the Lakers without George either or without another star coming there. But I do think if you're LeBron, it's worth considering this, Chris, that if you go to the Lakers, uh, someone else is going to come. Soon, like they can retain cap space for the 2019 summer, which, by the way, if George signs a one and one he could be a free agent that summer, too. Kawhi Leonard's going to be a free agent. Jimmy Butler's going to be a free agent. Klay Thompson. So on and so forth. There's a lot of guys in 2019 that might be like, you know what? I want to go join LeBron and those young guys with the Lakers. And not to mention that if LeBron just goes by himself, the Lakers still retain the ability to trade Luol Deng in packaged with Lonzo Ball or with Brandon Ingram or whatever it is to get another guy, like they retain flexibility to get two two more stars depending on the order of operations and what happens. Um, so I think it's still an appealing situation for LeBron even if he goes solo just this summer. But I, I think George could easily end up going at there anyway.
0: Yeah, we're throwing out the hypotheticals, but let me just let me go ahead and interject. I think both of them are going to be Lakers next year. I do.
1: I do too.
0: (laughs) I think both of them are going to be Lakers. The question is. I think
1: Magic Johnson says uh, no pressure. uh, What are the
0: Lakers doing outside of those two? That's going to be the interesting thing. Right. What does the rest of the roster look like besides those two guys? And who is the, who's the third guy, right? Every team's got at least three. That's a championship level. And so who's the third guy in that mix? I don't know. We'll see. You know we'll what see. I mean? And and and, and you know what, what do they do with those young assets? Do they flip those for something else? I certainly think that's a possibility.
1: Yeah, yeah that that's the big question here, really. Um with Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma and all those guys on that team, some really good young players. Do you do you package that player uh, with Luol Deng's contract, eighteen million this year, then eighteen point eight the following year before he becomes a free agent. Do you try to package one of them with Deng and try to get a third star? Like let's, uh, but you do need to dump a little bit of salary to be clear um, in order to get two max contract guys this summer to get LeBron and George. You got to dump money, um, so that's got to come from somewhere.
0: All right, Kevin, we'll get right back into free agency, but first a word from our sponsor, Sonos. I absolutely love my sono system in my house I've got two of the speakers one of them's in my kitchen, one of them is in my bedroom and then I've got the massive sound bar in my living room right underneath my television and so when I'm getting ready in the morning, I can turn it on in my bedroom they've got an app that lets me control everything that's going on in the house so if I want something to play on in on all the speakers, I can if I just want them to play in one room, I can play it on that. If I just want it to come to the TV, I can play it on that. I absolutely love this system, and I listen to music on it predominantly, Um, can listen to podcasts whenever I want to, and then I can just be bouncing around doing whatever I need to in the house, or with the music uh, my Spotify works through it my Apple Music I'm a subscriber to both of the services they both work through it and they sync in right on the app on my Sonos and I can control the volume and everything right from my phone which I always have with me no matter uh, all Sonos speakers connect wirelessly so it's all just hooked up uh, through my through my Wi-Fi that goes throughout my house. And so sometimes I'll have it on all three speakers. Sometimes I'll just have it on one. Um, there's a lot of times where I drive home and I'll be listening to like a podcast and I'll come inside and I'm going to eat. And so I just turn it on in, in my kitchen, right? Where I've got one of the speakers and I can finish the podcast while I'm sitting in there. You will absolutely love Sonos. And the home theater allows you to move your TV sound to other parts of your home and that is unbelievable during games. If I can't always see the picture, I can just turn on all the speakers while the game's going on, and then I can, I'm listening to the broadcast no matter what, what room I'm in. So if I want to run into the kitchen and grab a snack, I'm still hearing the audio of what's going on no matter what room I am in. And have you heard about the newest addition to the Sonos Home Sound System? Sonos Beam is the smart, compact soundbar for your TV. Great for mid-sized rooms, and TVs. Beam is Amazon Alexa enabled for easy voice control and delivers brilliant immersive sound for movies, shows, and video games, plus music, podcasts, and more. And it's only $3.99. For bolder sound and larger rooms, Sonos has the play bar and the play bass. The play bass was the one that I have that I mentioned earlier. Pre-order Sonos Beam now at sonos.com and start your home sound system today let's bring up another team which is one that you recently wrote about and the title of the article was how the sixers can have their cake and eat it too all right walk me through this
1: it's basically just a salary cap exercise here's what the sixers would have to do to get lebron james and Kawhi leonard and the conclusion is this this the price would be super super steep super super steep um i had someone i saw someone tweeted like 10 hours ago or something last night uh, with like how much of an overpay it, the deal proposed in there would be for Kawhi Leonard, which was by the way, Fultz, Sarch, Covington, their rookies, Iyer Smith. Um, and then the Miami pick from 2021 to get Kawhi. And it's like, that deal's stupid for the Sixers. It's like, yeah, the point is, is that's what they would need to give up in order to cl- clear the salary cap space to also sign LeBron James. <laughs> like that, like that's what you would have to do um, to make that happen. And it's a steep, steep, steep price to pay, man. Um, but I do think it's intriguing nonetheless because it's actually possible. It's uh, it's it's um it's fascinating that they actually could pull it off if they wanted to. Uh, I don't think the Spurs are going to get that much for Kawhi, but maybe they would if that's what uh, Philadelphia wanted to do.
0: Speaking of one of the names that you interjected, which was Markel Fultz, what about uh, the Hanlon quotes? <laughs> Hanlon, uh, this was his quote. Said, described Fultz's problem as, quote, one of the most documented cases of any of kind of the yips of basketball <laughs> in recent years where he completely forgot how to shoot and he had multiple hitches in his shot. Um, extremely strange because, on one hand, Philadelphia throughout the year was telling us it's the shoulder.
1: Yeah. Was-
0: and now it was a guy that was working with him daily and is still – working with him saying, basically, this wasn't the, the the shoulder issue is not the shot issue, right? And so you're kind of working on two tracks here where you have uh, th- this frustrating sh- shoulder injury that never seemed to go away. And now we do have some kind of uh, clarity on at least the guy saying the guy just, Basically forgot how to shoot. He, for- <laughs> uh, he completely forgot how to shoot a basketball, mm. which is obviously uh, extremely distressing. And I was trying to find this out. It appears as if he is not going to play in Summer League.
1: They're not going to have I w- him out there. I wouldn't put him out there. You wouldn't. They made a the mistake putting him out there during the season, at the beginning of the season, that is. They should never should have done that either. Because it's the Ips. It's always been. It's all. I mean, like the, he did have a shoulder injury, and then from the shoulder injury, the Ips came. It's it's no different than the the story of New York Mets catcher Mackie Sasser. Mackie Sasser, and then he was a catcher for the Mets in the nineties, and he suffered an ankle injury, and from that ankle injury, um, he had a hard time throwing the ball back to the mound to the pitcher. And over time, he as his ankles healed, and as they got better, he. Still continued to develop a hitch where he would pat the ball in his glove before throwing it back. And that problem got worse, where he like almost had a pump fake throwing back. And then it got even worse than that, where he couldn't even throw it accurately. But what could he do? What he could do, Chris? He could pick off runners at second base. He could throw the ball easily around the infield, no problem at all. But throwing the ball back to the pitcher was something that he had a hard time doing. Um, And the problem never got solved, and his career flamed out. Um, And then for it's very similar to Markel Fultz. Maybe he had a shoulder injury, and then from there, the yips developed. And it's solvable. Guys have gotten over it before. There are success stories across sports, and he's working with a great trainer, Drew Hanlon, to help that problem. Um, and I think exposing him in summer league, a, a pretty pointless for him. We already know he can do everything else out there on the court, as he showed later in the season. It's pointless for him. Just let him focus on a shot the whole summer and get that fixed, entering training camp and preseason, and then the season, hopefully he's good by then. It, yeah, it's hopefully gonna top, he can though. get it
0: worked out. You know, you bring up the Mackie Sasser thing. I I covered a kid like this years ago, and it was Rick Ankiel who played for the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, another one. Um, and he did, and then he came down to Memphis and was playing for the AAA team. And of course, there's a story way back when in uh, Tony La Russa, uh there's a book, I believe Buzz Bissinger wrote it, the Three Nights in August book is, is the name of it. But he tells this story. I believe that's the book. Um He tells this story about how in the playoffs, they were playing against, I think it was the Mets and rolled them out there. And Mike Matheny, who interestingly enough, is now the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals. He had cut his hand in like a kitchen accident, right? With a knife. So he was out. And so the backup catcher was having to be playing and it happened in a game and he just missed the plate completely. And one of the things that he's not blaming Mike Matheny, but Larussa said there was this moment where it took place. And if we would have had like Mike would have been able to, to he said, I've always believed he would have been able to get there and calm him down and, Get him back right, you know, in the moment that it takes place. But it didn't happen. And then the kid lost it. And then, of course, he came back out again. So then they worked on him, worked on him, worked on him. And I saw him the next year in Memphis. And, Kevin, if you were sitting behind the plate, even up towards the uh, the first baseline, petrifying. <laughs> I mean, he, I'm talking like it was not even – it was not even like – You know, like, you know, like the old Bob Uecker in Major League, it's a bit outside. Like, it wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. I've never seen anything like it in my life. And when this guy was in it, people were talking about like Sandy Koufax with this guy. He was as good a pitcher as I have ever seen in person because he could throw it on the black with his fastball and then he could just, you know, buckle your knees completely with a curveball. And, you know, it never came back. And he ended up, you know, he's such a great athlete that he ended up becoming an outstanding outfielder and a pretty good hitter uh, for the Cardinals. And that was the weirdest thing. He could gun people out from the outfield, but he was never able to pitch again. And I don't know. It's obviously something that's going on between your ears. And so here's hoping that be cuz when you listen to like Hanlon this was the rest of the quote we've been working hard every day working on rewiring his body and getting a kind of a smooth stroke back into his shot we're way ahead of pace where i thought we were going to be and i thought it was going to take me at least 6 weeks before we had kind of a serviceable jump shot and we're already starting to shoot with a jump in week 2 so he's obviously saying there's promising things going on. But I was like, good grief. Six weeks until the trainer thinks that he would have a serviceable jump shot? Like, this is a total, like, starting from scratch. And it is, it is it, the, the
1: most mystifying thing, right? This kid has been awesome at basketball for the last, Ten years. It was starting from scratch. I saw him work out the day I was there to see Mo Bamba. And they basically started like three feet away from the rim. Wow. Like, and then five feet away from the rim and then seven feet, then from the free throw line. And that was it. <laughs> like that was the workout. I really cannot <laughs> remember. I can't remember anything like that. Honestly. But that's what you gotta do. Like to, to solve a problem, you need to know what the problem is. And and if you know the whole season, that's what I never understood with them putting them out. I thought it was very clearly. Um, the yips early on, all all indications were everything that was said, every quote about, oh, you know, his arm feels fine when he lifts when he lifts it to pass the ball. It's similar to, like you said, with ink An- keel, with like, you know, throwing down runners or yeah. or like I said, for Sasser with like picking off runners at first or throwing the ball at second base, but he couldn't get the ball back to the mound. and And for Fultz, it's like, look, man, all the symptoms were there. And to address that problem, we need to understand it. And I think, it's about resetting and relearning. Yeah. It's not something you work through. It's something you need to relearn. And hopefully for Fultz, it's not more than that. Hopefully this solves the issue because it could be more than that too. Okay,
0: so now in a long way, I'm going to roundabout to what you were saying.
1: He has no trade
0: value right now. I think I mean, he does.
1: I no, disagree. He does. No way. He does. You He's, can't know
0: until you can't know until you. You know, until you're sure that he can shoot.
1: Yeah, um, you know that's the funny thing about like people saying the Kawhi deals way too much. It's like we don't really know what Fultz's value is right now. I think he has value, um, but then again, it's like
0: <laughs> you just got to wait. Listen, you wouldn't have traded for Rick Ankiel as a pitcher after those playoffs. No. I promise you. Oh, I
1: know he was he was horrific. Uh, right. <laughs> he was horrible. So you gotta um, you gotta wait. And then with Fultz, I do think a consideration that needs to come into play is that. If things don't work out, like if this, if like a shot never comes back and it's like always a disaster. And in the 21 22 season, he's going to be making $15.9 million. <laughs> and, that, and that could be dead weight if, if the shot isn't there. But I, I do have faith that the shot can get solved um, with Drew Hanlon. But we'll see, dude. Um, I'm not super optimistic about it, but I, I, I feel more optimistic than I did uh, at, at the end of the season where we didn't know what he was going to be doing.
0: Okay earlier when you were talking you mentioned a, a a Lakers quote about um about Magic Johnson right
1: um and was talking uh, basically that this was not oh that he would he would resign if they yeah. don't if they don't solve this roster become a contender after two summers. Yeah, he
0: said right, uh, saying it uh saying it won't be a failure if the Lakers do not land a max free agent this July, Magic Johnson set a timeline for his rebuild saying he will step away if he can't deliver by next summer. Do you think that is a quote that signifies Magic Johnson knows he may not end up... The expectations are now so ludicrous, right? The expectations are from you, from me, from everybody. Everybody thinks that we're going to look up and Paul George and LeBron James are Lakers. <laughs> and if <laughs> next year, it's Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram and Jul- they bring Julius Randle hey, back. and it Sounds fun. Right? I'm just saying, if that takes place, do you think that he said that Think he's playing possum, or do you think he's saying that because he has a inkling that this may not work out like he think? Like he's giving himself this extra year, or at least is in the quote saying, "Hey, if it doesn't happen by next summer, why would he say that now?"
1: <laughs> it, it's right? cer- it's certainly interesting. Um, it's like Ramona Shelburne and, and Adrian Wojnarowski reported in February. I believe it was right before the deadline or right after the deadline, maybe. And they said at the time that the Lakers were recalibrating their focus to the 2019 free agencies class. So it's been out there for a little bit, uh, at least, you know, for the past almost four months now, time flies by <laughs> um, four months now that the Lakers could be looking uh, turning their eye to the 2019 summer. But I, I, I we'll we'll see like if you're Matt Johnson you still don't know for sure nobody nobody knows 100% what lebron's going to do this summer i think the lakers are favorites um but if, even if you do get lebron you still need another guy right like, like even if you do get one guy this summer you still need to do more the job is not done
0: one guy that we know they are not going to get that we do need to mention is a uh, a story that came out that the nuggets filed paperwork to decline a te- team option on nikola jokic which signified that they are going to clear the way for him to sign what will likely be a five-year, approximately $147 maximum contract in July. I feel like you had really cooled on Jokic last year. Do you think that this is a wise move,
1: the full max for Jokic? You have no other choice. I agree. No other choice. And to be clear, I like Jokic. I Really like him a lot, um, but he has a long, long way to go in the defensive. He's still, end of the su- floor. I mean, he's twenty-three, exactly. and, and, and he this, averaged
0: like nineteen and eleven, exactly. and six assists. Th- this, I mean,
1: this is this, <laughs> this is what we talked about, right? Like where Marcus Ole at this time, who right. people often compare him to on the offensive end of the floor. Marcus Ole at this point was not in the NBA. <laughs> like he wasn't in the NBA yet. Marc Gasol was a rookie at 24 years old, <laughs> so like the, the Gasol comparisons, Jokic is ahead of the curve. Um, but Marc Gasol became a, one of the best defensive players in the league. He was a Defensive Player of the Year in 2012, 2013. He was an All NBA player. Uh, he was an All Defensive Player that year as well. He's really, really good for a long time on both ends of the court. Jokic right now already is an awesome center. Yeah, one he, of the, like one of the best passing centers in the game. It, he is the best passing center in the game. One of the best of the century, really. Uh, but the defense is a problem, and that needs to get better over time. That that's my only hangup with him.
0: Yeah, uh, Mike Miller, who was actually on the Ringer NBA show, uh, I guess it was a year or two ago now with me, um, played with Pau Gasol in Memphis, played with Mark Gasol in Memphis, and he played with uh, Jokic in Denver, and. That year that he was there, when he came back into town, I asked him, I said, I was asking about all the different players, right? The young guys on the team, Gary Harris and Moudier and whatever else. And he said, um, and this is before Jokic had blown onto the scene, right? And he said, I'm telling you, the one is Jokic. And this is before he became like, everybody knew about Jokic. He said, I'm telling you the one's Jokic. He said, I played with Mark and I played with Powell. And this kid is better than them at his age. He can he can possibly be like five to ten time all-star. He's that good. And I was like, what? And sure, I mean, listen, he knows talent, right? (laughs) Mike Miller's been around. He had a 15-year career and was a very good player and played with all manner of great players. But he was all in on Jokic and, interestingly enough, used that same comparison you did. And I think it is hard to remember, I mean, Marcus All wasn't this kid's 23. He is 23 right now. So, what does he look like? I mean, you're getting him from years 23 to 28. I agree with you. It's a, it's, you know, obviously the price is high on anybody that's really good. The price is high, but that's this a hundred percent no brainer to me.
1: It's funny with Jokic, right? I've had a lot of misses with like ranking players in the draft and and I've had some hits too and like Jokic is a guy I feel good about, right? Or I had him ranked 27th in his draft and like that was higher I mean than 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 he was a lot of places. I feel good about that, but even with him it's like, man, like I wish I had him even higher. Like his talent was apparent on the offensive end of the floor, but the question then Chris entering the draft with him is really just the same question now. It's the same thing. It's defense. What what level does he reach on that end of the floor? What conditioning does he get to? How much more um does his foot speed improve on defense? He's he's never gonna be a, a shot blocker um like that. But if he can become a really good positional defender, that's gonna be great for him. Um and, and all right, I mean, I feel confident that can happen. I do. Um, but right now it's not there yet. And to Mike Miller's point, I, I do think Jokic could end up being better than those guys as well because his passing on a, is on another level, dude. Six assists per, per game this this season. Well, the, uh, but for, yeah, put, yeah, put aside well, the numbers. Like, throw away the numbers. Like, his passing no, is No, his passing is beautiful. great. But
0: but in fairness, they play without a real point guard.
1: Yeah, but, you know, but so what? They can play without a real point guard because they have the best passing big man in basketball. Yeah. Like oh, he, the other,
0: if there is one thing, and I'm talking this is minute, and I'm telling you it's a no-brainer, if there's one thing – I've seen so many guys get in like the most unbelievable shape in their life in a contract year. He did not apply to that. No, he didn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I you know, mean, <laughs> you look at Julius Randle and he's built like a brick shit house now and it's like, oh well, stands to reason, right? I mean, no offense to him, but I mean, they did kind of line up. Um whereas Jokic, I mean, you ain't telling there's any difference between a contract year and a non-contract year with that dude. And and maybe that's maybe that should make me trust you more if you're like all of a sudden not getting
1: in the most unbelievable shape ever when it's contract time, for sure. And that that's a, that's also a factor too. I mean, I just pulled up my scouting report from 2014 on him, and the last note on the page is conditioning may also be a problem. Looks like he gets burnt pretty quickly during up and down games. Production drops, mm-hmm. and that was true. Um, at the time and and he's uh still not the uh um he's not chiseled <laughs> <laughs> he's not he's not he's not chiseled uh even even to this day uh four years later okay, um, every, but maybe every, someday he will be chiseled <laughs>
0: everybody's knows? talking about uh, obviously we had to cover deandre because of what took place last night given the trade <laughs> everybody's talking about you know paul george and lebron James and where's Kawhi end up and i uh, Clearly, that's going to get all of the um, interest, clicks, whatever else. Give me a free agent whose destination maybe people aren't talking about every single day, yet interest you greatly. Where a particular player ends up. Is there anybody that is a current free agent upcoming for, you know, whatever, four days from now when we are recording this that piques your interest outside of the monster guys who inevitably will cause dominoes to fall.
1: The bigs. Clint Capella, restricted free agent. Is somebody going to give him a four-year, $80 million deal, or are they going to go full max for Clint Capella? Young, getting better each season. Um, DeMarcus Cousins, uh, is Dallas going to pursue him? And, and Or do, let's say the Lakers get LeBron. or they, Let's say the Lakers... Don't get anybody. Do they give a full one-year max, like a prove-it contract to Boogie? Um, LeBron has previously called Boogie, uh, I believe, I, I don't think this is untrue, the best big man in basketball. I think he said that before. Um, So if Boogie has a prove-it contract. Julius Randle. I'm curious to see what all these big men, Derek Favors and, and so on, get this summer. That that That's of interest to me, Chris. How about you?
0: I could not give money to Cousins. I, I couldn't. Know, I know. Me neither. I mean, I'm sorry. But, and I, and I hope, uh, listen, I hope that that kid who was, uh, I mean, obviously one of the best players in the NBA talent wise last year before he got hurt, I hope it goes differently for him than virtually everybody else. But, I mean, I've seen, I've seen these guys, I, you know, it, we saw Rudy Gay come back, and Rudy is an, a talented enough guy that he's going to be okay, right? And he's still going to have another, you know, he's a free agent, and he's going to get another contract, and he's going to go forward, and he'll be a, you know, valuable bench player, more than likely, on a team. Wes Matthews was one of the best two-way point guards in the entire NBA. Um, I just dealt with it with Chalmers, who missed an entire, he didn't even play the next year. After he blew out his Achilles and then came back and played last year, um, and it just it can have and now you're talking about a a big seven footer like he's not like a a slight seven footer right there's a lot of weight that's going on that I I would do the the wait and see contract too I would do the wait and see on him because I just don't I don't know man I don't I I could not sign a long term deal to a guy coming off Achilles because the results just have not been good, especially in the first year back. And so here's hoping he's different than everybody else, but that is that that's the worst injury to me. Hopefully to
1: me. hopefully he comes back and starts playing some defense. Well I I think
0: you're probably asking for something that's not going to happen. I think so too. <laughs> Ones are uh, Those middle guys, because now we have, when you're talking about Paul George, you know, 130 or 180 million, this like, it feels like it is so hard to gauge what that like middle class of player is going to get. So that would be my answer to that. I, I talk to people all the time about what they think this guy's gonna get or who gets more, this guy or this guy. And it feels like this year, more so than any other year, people have a hard time coming up with an answer, right? So I'll just give you an example, right? Let's lay them. I'll give you three players right now, right? And I say, okay, we're going to go play the open market with these kind of midland free agents. They're not all-stars. They're not max guys, um, but they're certainly nowhere near lowly paid players, okay? Will Barton, Avery Bradley, Tyreek Evans.
1: Will Barton. Gets the most? Uh, yeah, I think so. Maybe. Yeah, Will Barton. You know who Bradley kind of feels like to me? He kind of feels like
0: Eric Gordon to me right now. Eric Gordon was perpetually injured, and that was what was saddled around his neck. And... Even when he signed with Houston, people thought this might be a little bit of a risk and obviously has been gangbusters the last two years. He's just been awesome.
1: Uh six yeah, man of the yeah. year.
0: Then he like I mean, this guy can play at an all-star caliber levels uh many times. Uh, but he was perpetually injured. And and Avery was decently durable prior to the last two years. And then obviously last year, leaving Boston, Detroit, and then the Clippers, his value went down dramatically, I would think. I think he's going to sign like a one year with an option, you know, prove it contract. Don't you?
1: Yeah, I do. Because he's in
0: that mode right now.
1: Sure. Uh, with with Avery Bradley, I, I've always felt, you know, w- when with with Boston, especially right when he had to play more of an elevated role with some of their teams that weren't weren't as good uh, in thirteen and fourteen um, after KG and Paul Pierce are traded. That's not the best role suited for him. He he's best in a role where he's like spotting up, you know, from the wing, from the corner, and really grinding on defense. That's when he's at his best, not when you're putting the ball in his hands and running running him through screens and dribble handoffs and all that. That's not Avery Bradley at his best. So for any team interested in in signing him, I think you need to think about the role that you're gonna put him in. And he's better with a minimized role where he's maximizing on his defense. Whereas Will Barton, He's, he's an intriguing, weird player. Uh, he can pass the ball. He can score. He can have big scoring games for you. He's a better scorer than Avery Bradley, but granted, Avery's a, a superior defender. I think it's going to be close between them in terms of the money they earn. I, I guess I can see Avery earning more uh, because of his defensive ability um, in addition to his shooting, but I can see Will Barton getting a good deal, too.
0: Well, let's throw in Caldwell Pope. No, not him. Do you think Caldwell Pope gets a better deal well, than Tyree Tyre Evans? Kevin? Here's
1: the thing, like yep. we don't know because Caldwell Pope got the big one year deal, right? With the yep. Lakers, just like JJ Redick did with the Sixers, the one year twenty three million dollars. Like that could be that could be out there for one of those guys if, if they bide their time.
0: I'm just saying, like all of these guys, Kev, when we're talking about uh KCP and we're talking about Avery Bradley and we're talking about Will Barton and we're talking about Tyree Kevins and we're talking about uh Marcus Smart even. I have no idea what kind of contract Marcus Smart's going to sign. None. I know what he wants, but I don't know what the market's going to dictate on him. I mean, is somebody really going to throw 12 to $15 million? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like, we've got the sure things. Like, the unbelievable players, we kind of know what they're going to get paid, and it's just a matter of them choosing. But all of this kind of what we would call the middle class, it. it it could show up and I did wonder, like, let's say, uh, Jamal Crawford's deal, or not Jamal Crawford, um, Lou Williams deal. You remember that in the middle of the season? And people were like, well, geez, that's not that much. Like, did that signify that that's about the range that, cause I think you could fairly throw Lou, even though he's better than most of those that I named, but that would be a roundabout, you know, number that they would get. And so if your team, you'd be like, Lou Williams gets paid like 10 million bucks. Like what? We ain't
1: paying you 15. He, he doesn't oh, even get paid 10. Yeah, no. know he, he's going to get paid eight <laughs> the next three years, eight, eight million in, in the next three. And anyway, so is that going to be non-guaranteed the last year?
0: I know. So is that going to be a standard or is that going to be the, the, the exception to the rule of what these kind of middle tier guys get? They're really good. They're not all stars or sure thing, all stars, and maybe they've got some kind of knock against them, whether it's injury or or whatever it may be. I don't know. I really don't. I, I can't predict this year at all. Whereas it felt like you could used to say like, eh, he'll probably get like, you know, you know, three and 36 or four and 40 type of deal. I don't know. These guys could sign for anything. And I would be like, OK, <laughs> I mean, we'll obviously comment and say it's good or bad. But I mean, you brought up Clint Capella getting twenty million bucks. Clint Capella, like I got to at least be able to throw it to you, and you can get me a bucket outside of finishing a dunk. Oh, come on, if I'm paying you twenty million bucks, golly, what I got to be? I, you think that's unreasonable to say I should be able to throw you the ball and get me a basket?
1: Uh, it depends on the team context, Chris. Like if you have well, other hell, guys. If, 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 oh, don't say you can do what Clint Capella does. I
0: can't. I can't. Clearly, <laughs> but I'm saying you are in a great situation. I
1: know he's in the perfect situation
0: in terms of being able to finish lobs off of pick and rolls from two of the greatest pick and roll players to ever walk God's green earth.
1: Yeah, but he's 24 years old and he's a really, really good defensive player, a really good rebounder. He's gotten better as a passer over the years. It doesn't show in the numbers because of, he doesn't never touches the ball, <laughs> unless it's a dunk. But he's better at passing on that little short roll to, to corner three shooters. And that's been impressive to watch that development over the years because he certainly he certainly was not that level of a passer um, when he was playing international basketball before entering the draft in 14 when he was drafted by the Rockets. Um, He's gotten better, man, and he gets better each year. His conditioning has improved, too. He's able to play more minutes and sustain his level of play for a longer period of time. If you're a team that's drafting him, you're drafting him to be you know, your big rim running center that just absorbs, def- forces defenders to collapse into the paint when he's rolling down the lane, and he can anchor your defense. That's what you're getting him for, not to throw him the ball and say, get me a bucket. Uh, I know you love Clint Capella, but you, sh- you go ahead and spend $20 million on him. I'll find somebody
0: else. Um, I have already, and this is the last thing I'm going to say today on the show. I need you to pull out your planner or whatever you do. How do you make your plan? Do you put it, do you, are you a planned guy? Uh, like, do you have stuff in, do you have like uh, a,
1: a planner or do you put it in your phone or what? A new story just dropped by Adrian Orjanowski, Brian Windhorse, and Ramona Shelburne.
0: Oh, I love this. Breaking news in the middle of the yes. show. Yes.
1: Woo. Uh, it appears as if, and this was obviously, I mean, you're
0: talking about a murderer's row of reporters on this from every angle with uh, Adrian Ramona Winhorst. Uh, and it, the idea is that there have been four teams, uh, the Celtics, the Cavs, the Sixers, and the Clippers, it looks like. Uh, I've talked to the Spurs about a possible deal. Uh, what else particularly interesting is we are skimming through this on the run Sounds like LeBron, uh, is hesitant in order to, uh, make a decision on this. I, w- I would imagine, listen, this is perfect because you get it from the LeBron side too. Lord knows, uh, Wind has covered LeBron since he was a fetus. So if anybody would know, he <laughs> would know. Um, uh, so I guess this, this kind of standard. So the Lakers, it says that the Lakers are feeling a little bit of pressure maybe to deal for Kawhi, because if I'm reading this right, that Paul George, um, and w- which we referenced earlier in the show, that may not be a sure thing. Therefore, if you are going to be able to uh, convince LeBron to come there, that you would, you-, you need to get another star some way, somehow. God, I feel like they've got the best to offer. Don't you? Like if you're if if you're San Antonio and you're saying, all right, we're not like this is something's got to give here. Um, and I know that there have been reports that. They have very little interest in trading him to the Lakers. But let's just say they've got the best young assets, don't they? I mean, I would 100% make sure I get Ingram back. 100%. Like, that's that's non-negotiable. I've got to get Ingram back. And then I try to snag a couple of their other young players. Maybe I can get a Alonzo or a Kuzma or whatever. I mean, I am. Like a,
1: like a sign-and-trade for Julius Randle, too. That was also re- recommended on in this, including him, not just him. So
0: it would be Ingram and Randle? I don't know. Could and be, so maybe
1: something else. Could be more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no.
0: Yeah. They've got the best young assets. Don't you think?
1: Um. N- uh. No. Yes. <laughs> I don't. Uh. Maybe it depends on if they're putting Brandon Ingram on the table. Which I. Well, that's
0: what I'm saying. I'm including Ingram, and if that is so, Ingram's the best. I think Ingram's going to be an all-star. I I'm do. A, I'm a big Ingram fan. Yeah. I think he's going to be an all-star, and so yes, like I would want him back. And Lord knows the Spurs have done a great job at developing talent. I mean, I'd love to see Ingram go through their system and, you know, become what he, whatever he is going to become. But I'm, I'm a big fan of his. What the uh, Cavs? What do they have? Kevin? I mean, they got nothing else besides Kevin Love. Yeah, I
1: mean, that's kind of the problem for them. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, trade. Interesting little note in here is it says yep. that the Lakers have been searching for a, another first round pick as a sweetener in a deal um and it also does mention you know obviously over the past few weeks people have been saying that the, the spurs won't trade Kawhi within the western conference it does mention here that the, the spurs haven't ruled that out um and that i think in my opinion that is extremely smart you, you can't worry about where the guy's going where you're trading him to you need to worry about what you're getting back you need to take the best deal whether that player is going within the western conference or out to the east if you're getting if you're just getting breadcrumbs from Eastern Conference teams, like if the Celtics aren't even putting Jalen Brown on the table, if, if the Sixers aren't willing to, to give Fultz or, or Zaire Smith, right? I mean, I mean, like if they're being really cheap, you got to take the best deal. And the more teams that are bidding for Kawhi Leonard, the more leverage you have.
0: Okay. So what would you be, if you're Danny Ainge, would you be willing to give up? And let me just re- recite the names. Would you personally, Kevin, be willing to give up Jalen Brown? I, just a yes or no?
1: If you're getting assurances that he resigns long term, and if you're not, gonna, yeah, uh, if, you, yes. if you're not getting those reassurances, reassur- no.
0: The expectation is yes, you're getting the Chris Paul wink, wink. We'll, yeah, we're. Good. I mean, it's right. gonna,
1: It's going to be a <laughs> pretty, pretty strong wink, wink. And, okay. and same thing for Philadelphia as well. Like, like we talked about earlier, Chris, I wouldn't do that deal that I mentioned in there unless you know you're going to resign Kawhi. You're not going to do that. But uh, if you're the Lakers, you can feel good about it. Yep. How about Hayward, Kyrie? Either one. If you know, you're going to same, same answer.
0: Okay. So uh, Tatum would be your only one. You wouldn't move. Is that fair? Yeah. He's untradeable on their entire roster. Yeah. He's untradeable. Yeah. Pretty much. Okay. Everything other than Tatum, you would be willing to move
1: if you're getting that's what i'm saying yeah, yeah, with the yeah.
0: assurance that you would be able to lock Kawhi but, up long term
1: and that like your doctors are able to check him and that i would be scared
0: to give up Jalen.
1: like there like there's a lot of there's a lot of hurdles to jump through with Kawhi you need to make sure yeah. that he's healthy you need to make sure that he's going to resign you need to make sure that you know his uncle uncle Dennis isn't going <laughs> to going turn into Loverar ball <laughs> yep. there, there's a handful of you know you know things you need to get through checkpoints to make sure that you actually want this uh, I think it's a I think it's a tougher question to answer for these Eastern Conference teams than it is for the Lakers or the Clippers for that matter, because they know he wants to be in LA. That's where yeah. he wants to be. It's not well, tough. Well here's the thing. Celtics and the Lakers, they got real like
0: they, they got g- great players that I could get back. The rest of them don't. They don't. I mean, the Sixers, it's young talent, for sure, right?
1: Um that Sixers package is pretty good, Chris. It is pretty good. But Cavs, but, but the thing is is like that's still unrealistic. Yeah. <laughs> like, Cavs, I, I don't think you're gonna get that if you're the Spurs. Yeah, I don't care about the, what the Cavs have to give.
0: And I mean, what the hell do I want off the Clippers? Seriously. Yeah, nothing.
1: You're gonna well, give me little Galinari thanks. One other note in here it says the Cavs have been trying to get uh salary clap clearing possibilities so they can be aggressive in free agency. Um but they've been, quote, stymied in attempts to meet or discuss scenarios with James. Wow. And that's no surprise because James has you know, made it clear before. It's been reported that James wasn't going to you know communicate free agent plans or draft plans or anything like that. Fascinating. It'll
0: be interesting to see what... Um, I, the, I mean, the most interesting thing to me on that is that the domino... And this is why I started the show by talking about the Paul George thing. If it is so, I know you had said at the beginning that, you know, the word was LeBron's going to do whatever LeBron's going to do. The Lakers don't feel that way. They don't. Clearly. (laughs) I mean, the report says they don't. They think they've got to get a star. Like, that's the way they're going to be able to attain him. And save that, he might just not do whatever he wants to do. I mean, hell, he signs one year deals. It's not like he couldn't do it next year if he wanted to, right? Of course. I know. <laughs> right? I know. I but, mean, he signs one year deals. So but, we could just be doing this a year from now.
1: But but that's almost, you know, you know, to, to my point, like if he wants to sign a one and one with Cleveland, <laughs> he can. And, and like then yeah. it's like, hey, hey LA, maybe next year. Fair enough. All right.
0: Before we got interrupted by amazing news. I asked you, do you have like a planner? Do you put things in your phone? Is it on your like email? Like, do you, are you a planner
1: guy? Uh, yeah, sometimes. I'm, I'm, uh, especially this summer, I want to try to start building better habits. Like I want to <laughs> I, I, I insert time in my day to read, time okay. in my day to meet people and actually make friends in Los Angeles. But where do you um, like, do you write it down? It, it depends. Sometimes I'll put a little note in my phone. Sometimes I'll use Google Calendar. Okay. Perfect.
0: I, I've got something for a Google calendar or the note in your phone. Okay. It is, so I'm going to ask, and hopefully I've, I've told you enough in
1: advance um, for you to do this. Okay. Oh, and time to work out. So I need to start integrating time for that. Sorry.
0: I need you to write this down, Kevin, okay. in your note, in your Google calendar everywhere, right? Okay. Need you to write down on Saturday, July 7th, four thirty PM. You and I I have acquired tickets to sit front row at the Thomas and Mack Center to watch Marvin Bagley obliterate DeAndre. Ayton.
1: Oh, 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 oh <laughs> hell yeah! I love it. <laughs>
0: let's go, let's go, baby. So mark it down. Yeah, uh, I am going to. I am going to make sure that you have a seat right next to me. Let's do it. Saturday, July 7th, <laughs> the Thomas and Mack Center in Las Vegas, Nevada, at four thirty p.m. Where Marvin Bagley. Versus DeAndre Gayton Let's takes place it. for the first time. Let's go!
1: Can't go, wait. Go Suns! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you should wear a sun shirt.
0: <laughs> wear a sun shirt to the game. We'll be we'll be watching there. We'll have to do Love something it. Uh,
1: from there for uh, absolutely
0: our listeners. But yeah, I saw that on the summer league <laughs> schedule, and uh, oh, I lit up and I said, <laughs> if there is if there is one thing I need. It's the second day of Summer League on Saturday at 4.30. I'm going to tell Kevin, make sure he blocks off everything in his calendar for a couple of hours (laughs) because DeAndre Ayton plays against Marvin Bagley at 4.30 on July 7th. I love it. Let's do it. (laughs) It's going to be a good time. All right, Kevin. I'll catch up with you next week. And by next week, the whole damn NBA may have changed. Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited, Chris. (laughs) Me too. Thanks for listening to another Ringer NBA show. If you dig what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes, and we will talk to you next week.